and to thank you for all of the blessings that you've poured out upon us. And Father, as we honor Mother's Day, we ask you once again, bless all the mothers and the grandmothers, all the precious ladies. Father, not just in our church, but all across this nation, we ask you to bless moms and grandmas and your precious, precious ladies in the Lord. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us ears today. We ask you to give us understanding that we might go deeper into the knowledge of Jesus. We thank you and we pray in your precious son's name. Amen. All right. Well, I was really, really excited when I started this message because for the first time ever, the Lord gave me a title. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really proud of my title here. It's actually not mine, it's the Lord's. All right, my title is Shields, Swords, and Prayer. Yeah, we're going to go get it today. All right. <laughs> you know, when I think about the armor of God, I think about how much I probably don't understand about it or don't get it. I think that there's probably so much more to it, and it should have great meaning in our lives. I think that the, back in biblical times, when Paul was talking about the armor, the people probably understood it better because they were so familiar with the soldiers and with their armor. So our scripture that we're going to look at today is Ephesians 6, and we're going to look at just verses 16, 17, and 18. Ephesians 6, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. Now, I know there's other parts of armor, but I felt like the Lord said, shield, sword, and prayer for today. So we're going to take a look at what our shield of faith is and <clears throat> how it actually quenches the fiery darts, and how do we really fight with the sword of the Spirit. When we look at this passage that we just read, we see that verse 18 takes us right into prayer war as soon as we suit up in our armor. We are to war in prayer with perseverance. We're to be alert. We're to be watchful. Before Paul listed our armor in this same chapter, in verse 10, he says, we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he reminds us that our war is not against people. It's spiritual that we're standing against wickedness, we're standing against darkness and deception, dis, um, lies and temptation and fear. So our assignment is to pray heaven's blessings down to earth, to just release God's will, his plans, and his purposes. We pray down the knowledge of God, and we release the power of God in the earth. That's our job. So we suit up in our armor, and we resist the enemy, and we pray down righteousness and salvation into the earth. Now, we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
He's the spirit of prayer, and he's the spirit of truth. That means we all have prayer living inside of us, and we all have truth living inside of us. So we are to take that prayer and take that truth, and we're to release it into the earth. We all need to have some kind of prayer war going on. We need to be releasing prayer and truth, whether it's over America, over Israel, over our government, over our children, over our schools, over the body of Christ, for souls, for revival. We all need to pick up some prayer war and release that prayer that's dwelling inside of us into the earth. If we don't have prayer war, going in us, if we're not releasing that prayer and that truth that lives within us, what happens is that we slowly get lulled to sleep and we become complacent and we become indifferent, become indifferent to what's happening around the world and to people's needs and then we become insensitive to the Spirit's promptings in us. We have an example of this in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 11. It was springtime, and all the kings went to war. So King David sent out all of his army, and he sent out his commanders. But David did not go to war. He stayed in Jerusalem. The Bible says, when evening came, David rose from his bed, and he walked around on the roof of his house, and from there he saw Bathsheba bathing. We know the story. He fell into sin with Bathsheba. David was not at war. He was just lollygagging around his house. Nothing to do. He was bored. He was sleeping all day. It says he got out of bed in the evening. So he, he was just lulled to sleep, complacent. And he fell into sin and temptation. The enemy wants to lull us to sleep. He wants to close our eyes to the perilous times that are going on around us and the needs of the people around us. He wants to shut down our prayer war. He wants to stop us from releasing that prayer and that truth that resides inside of us. We have prayer living in us, each one of us. We're made to have a purpose. We're made to have a cause. We're made to have a vision. The Bible says, without vision, we perish. That's a spiritual perishing. Perishing spiritually. There, that's better. <laughs> so we just dry up and we just go to sleep and become complacent when we're supposed to be releasing truth and light and the knowledge of God. Can you imagine what would happen if every single believer across the nation took up a prayer project and poured prayer and truth and light into just that one area. Can you imagine what would happen? The power of God that would be released, the glory of God that would be released, the souls that would be saved. We keep saying we want revival. We would see revival if everybody took up a prayer war. Now, some time ago, I happened on a scripture. It's in First uh, Chronicles 12, and it's describing the mighty men of David. And it says that they were equipped with bows. They used both the right hand and the left hand to sling stones and to shoot arrows. 
from the bow. Mighty men. They were skilled, both hands. So as I looked at that verse, you know, I thought, I wonder why God put that in the Bible. It must have been important. They were fierce fighters. They were highly skilled. They were mighty men. And I thought about our armor in Ephesians 6. We have to be skilled with both the right hand and the left hand in order to handle a sword and a shield. We are called mighty warriors in the spirit. So let's learn a little bit about our shield and our sword and see how we're supposed to be skilled. The shield, well, you know, I always thought about the armor. And I thought, well, you know how you see the, the parades and they have these big plumes of feathers out of their helmet and everything, you know. They always have these nice ornate shields, you know. And I figured, yeah, this is what my shield looks like. Yeah. <laughs> nice and blingy and shiny. And, and, you know, and, and it goes with anything that I wear, you know. I thought, yeah, that's my shield. Yeah, and the Lord said, forget that. Here's what our shield looks like. It's big, and it's ugly, and it's heavy, and it's made out of wood. The Greek word that Paul used for shield in that scripture means door. And that's what the Roman soldiers used. They, call, they called their shield a door. Now, this one's not quite as big as the one that they used. It's supposed to be five feet tall, three feet wide, but I wasn't sure I could handle that up here. So, <laughs> trying to get my left arm strong. <laughs> so, it was shaped like a door. And the reason it was that size was that when they would go into battle, they could kneel down and hide behind it, and they were completely covered and protected. So, this, this shield was about five foot by three foot, and uh, it weighed about 22 pounds. So we gotta be strong, we're gonna hold that thing. It was made out of several layers of real heavy wood and they glued them together. And then they took at least six layers of animal hide leather and they, and they wove it all together and then they completely covered it. Now they had to take good care of these shields because the wood and the leather would dry out and it would crack and it would break. And if they were in a battle and they got hit with a stone or a rock or an arrow and their shield cracked and broke, they were totally defenseless. Basically, they were a dead man if they lost their shield. So the shield is very important. So as I'm telling you about these things about shield, I want you to see parallels in the spirit here with our shield. All right. So taking proper care of their shield, every soldier carried a vial of oil. And every morning, he would take that oil and he would pour it on his shield and rub it in and rub it in and rub it in, completely cover his um, shield. And he made sure every inch covered it. Every soldier had to have a vial of oil to do that. And they kept it soft. So that way, it wouldn't break and crack and be brittle. Now, when they were ready to go into battle, and they were going to approach a city that they were going to attack, they formed what was called a box. So the front line of soldiers would stand shoulder to shoulder, and they would put their 
their shields up, touching, and they literally made a wall. And then, of course, they were down behind it. And then the soldiers on the sides would take their shields, and they would do the same thing, and they'd make a wall on the sides and on the back. And then, hope I can do this. And then all the soldiers that were in the middle would take their shield ah, and hold it up over top and make a box. And they were completely covered and completely protected because the enemy of that city would be up on the wall and they would just be raining arrows down on those soldiers. Well, they all had this box completely covered. They uh, called this a shell, and uh, they also called it a tortoise, like the shell of a, a turtle, tortoise turtle. So they would start, all the soldiers, they're in this box now, and they're completely covered, so they all had to work together as one, as a body, and they would all move this box towards the city that they were going to attack. Remember, all these arrows are coming down on them. History says that it was not unusual for a soldier to come home from battle with about 200 arrows sticking in his shield. Now, what the enemy would do is they would take cloth and they would dip it in a flammable material and they'd wrap it around the arrow and they'd light it. Then they'd started shooting these fiery arrows or fiery darts at the soldiers. They also had um, arrows that were like a hollow reed, and they would fill them with this flammable liquid and light them, and they would shoot those, and when those things hit, they just exploded into a deadly fire. So what the soldiers would do before they went to battle, before they made their box, they would take their shields and they would submerge them in water. They would soak them soak them until they were saturated with water. So then when the fiery darts came, would quench them. So, what does all of this mean for our shield of faith? Our shield, our faith is a door. It's a door and it hides us. In Colossians 3.3, it says our life is hidden in Christ. If you take all the Greek phrases and words in there that say our life is hidden in Christ, here's how you could translate that. Your life is concealed and properly covered in union with the anointing of Christ. You want to hear that again? All right. Your life is concealed and properly covered in union with the anointing of Christ. That's you. That's what your shield does. It becomes a wall. Our faith becomes a wall in front of us. Now, we have to take care of our shields, too. Our shields must be soaked in water the washing of the water of the word. We saturate ourselves in the written word of God. 
We soak in his word. We believe in his word. We are filled with truth in his word, and we quench the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. That word quench in Ephesians literally means to extinguish by drowning. Isn't that awesome? So we drown the accusations of the enemy. We drown his lies with the word of God. Isn't that awesome? Woo! We are mighty warriors. Mm, I like it. Mm. Now, we also must not let our shields dry out. And what that means is we can't let our heart get hard. We can't get lulled to sleep. We can't be indifferent. We need the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. That means we need a rich relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We need to continually build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 tells us to do that. Pray in tongues and 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 build up our spirit man. We cannot be lulled to sleep and allow our shields to dry out, to catch fire or to break apart under the onslaught of the enemy's arrows. Now, what are the enemy's arrows? Bottom line, lies. He's the father of lies. Jesus told us that he can't tell the truth. So anything he's throwing at you is a lie. Deception, discouragement, pride, vain imaginations, fear, temptations, distractions, self-will, depression, complacency, busyness, doubt, unbelief, all this stuff. These are fiery arrows, but we can quench them with our shield of faith because we're saturated in the Word of God. When you take all the Greek words and put them together in verse 16 where he says we take up the shield of faith by which we quench the fiery darts, it says it can be translated to say taking the shield of faith by which you are dynamically empowered. A supernatural empowerment comes upon you and it energizes us and it's an, to take an ironclad position, and we say no surrender. We are mighty, mighty warriors. Now, when these soldiers made this box, and they started heading towards the enemy, they weren't just protecting themselves. They were protecting each other which was why they had to make sure they tended to their shield because if one of them didn't tend to their shield and he got taken out, that made a hole in the box and then they could just, the enemy could just start firing in there. So it was important that everyone tended to their shield, that they moved as one. Now here's what I saw in prayer with this. When we start to pray, say we come together and the Bible tells us we're to pray for all of those in authority. So let's say we're going to pray for our president and our Congress and Supreme Court judges and our governors and our mayors and so forth. And when we take up our shield and we begin to pray, we are putting our shield over them as we pray for them. 
and we are protecting them from the fiery darts. We are protecting them from lies and deception that would lead them in the wrong direction and wrong decisions. And we are loosing truth and light. So we use our shields not just to protect ourselves, but we use our shields for everyone that we pray over when we go to war in prayer. We can use that shield over our families. We can use that shield over the body of Christ. We can use that shield over Israel. Anything that we're praying for, we put up that shield of faith and we help protect them. So we see how important our shield is. It's a door that covers us. All right, now we got the shield here, but now on this hand, we've got a sword. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's see if we can find parallels again. The Roman soldiers practiced every day, all day long, with their swords. They practiced every day, all day long, with their swords. They kept working on their skills and building up their strength. They would practice with huge swords. Sometimes they had metal swords that were so heavy, they had to use both hands in order to swing it. To, to build up their strength and to, and to build up their skill. And other times they would practice with a wooden um, sword that was two times the weight of the sword that they would carry into battle. So they would build up their skills and their muscles and their, their strength. And then they would put a, a six-foot-tall post in the ground, and all day they would come up and they would keep attacking that post. Step back, come up, keep attacking that post. Step back, come up, swing that thing. Building up their skills, being strong. Well, the word that Paul used for sword in this scripture was a very brutal weapon. It was not like a sword that we would think of, you know, where we can maybe stand back from the enemy and take a little slice at him, you know. <clears throat> it was a short sword. It was only about 19 to 24 inches long, and it was more like a dagger. In other words, you had to get up close. You had to get in the fight. <clears throat> it was razor sharp on both sides of the blade, and it was known as a very frightful and deadly weapon. Also in this verse, we see that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that term, Word of God, means rhema. It was a word spoken clearly, a quickened word. So our shield is saturated with the written word of God, and our sword operates on the spoken, quickened word of God. Yes. So we're in prayer, and we're praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, and pretty soon a rhema word, a quickened word starts to rise up inside of us, and we speak that out. The Holy Ghost has just put a sword, a, a, a dagger in your hand, and you've just thrust that into the enemy's lies. Yes. So then you keep praying in the Spirit, and then, you, and then something more rises up within you. Maybe it's a scripture, a verse, or maybe it's just a word in the understanding, and you speak that out, and again, you're thrusting that spiritual sword into the lies of the enemy. As we listen to the Holy Spirit as we're praying in tongues, he places these words in us, and you become spiritually, supernaturally empowered. 
and anointed to defeat the enemy. You are anointed to defeat the enemy. Yes, and you are anointed to pray in God's kingdom. Yes. All right. Now, for our sword to be most effective, if we're praying about something, we can't just grab our Bible and whip through it and try to find some scripture <laughs> that we think might, you know, pertain. But we pray in the Holy Ghost, and we listen to him, and we let the Holy Ghost guide us in combat. He's our commander, and he brings forth the powerful anointed words that we need. So we soak our shields in the written word of God. We anoint our shields with the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit by building ourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then we use our swords by praying in the Spirit and listening to the Holy Ghost and speaking out words in the understanding as he quickens them to us. Now the soldiers practiced and they practiced and they practiced and they practiced their fighting skills so that they knew how to handle their sword and their shield. We also need to make sure we know how to handle our shield and our sword. One method that I have found effective in praying is I write scriptures on index cards. I got many, 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 many scriptures on many, many index cards. And I have them all categorized by prayer projects. Like these are for Israel, these are for America, these are for the body of Christ, these are for my family, and so on. I have prayed over these scriptures for years. But here's what happens when I use the written word of God. He teaches me how to hear the rhema word of God. So I start praying the scripture, and then I go into tongues. But I keep that scripture right in front of me, and I stay focused on that scripture, on the written word. And as the Holy Spirit, I'm praying and praying in tongues, he begins to expand and amplify that scripture. And he starts to show me deeper revelation and understanding into that verse. So I keep praying in tongues, and I keep speaking out what he quickens to me in the understanding. Some of these scriptures I've prayed for many years, but the Holy Spirit continues to bring new prayers from these same verses. New prayers with new anointing and power, new swords, new spiritual prayers, and new revelation. My index cards are the big, heavy sword that the soldiers practiced, practiced with, swinging, swinging. I practice learning to get the quickened word, the rhema word from the Holy Spirit when I'm in prayer. So we learn to listen. We learn to go deeper in prayer as we listen. When we go to prayer war, we thrust that rhema word of God into the situation and the enemy's defeated. So we are mighty warriors. Yes, yes, all right. And we're getting skilled in our right hand and in our left hand. We're holding that huge door of a shield saturated with the word of God and anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And in our other hand, we have a fierce weapon like a dagger that we thrust the prayers of the Holy Spirit and the spoken word of God into the enemy's tactics. Now I'll tell you why I love this so much. I love being a mighty warrior, and I'll tell you why. When I was in high school, about 250 years ago, <laughs> yeah, 
When I was in gym class, y'all I think call it PE now, we call it gym class then, and they divided us up because the girls had separate gym and the boys had separate gym class, okay. So you know how this goes. You go to play volleyball or softball or something, you know. So the teacher picks two girls, the most popular, the most athletic, the most outgoing, and then they get to pick from the rest of us, taking turns, picking their team until everybody's been picked. Okay, well, I was skinny. I was not coordinated. I was not athletic. I was not popular. So I was always the second la to the last to be picked. Now the reason why I was the second to the last to be picked is because there was another girl in the class who was more pathetic than I was. <laughs> but in Christ, nobody gets picked last. That's why I like it. In the spirit, we all have mighty power. We can all be mighty warriors. We can all be strong in prayer. In the natural, it doesn't matter if we're weak or we're strong or we're athletic or we're not. When he, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we all receive power. And we've got a shield and we've got a sword and we can go to war. Yes. Right. My dad loved football and baseball. In the last four years of his life, he was very sick, and I was his caregiver. So I spent a lot of time watching football and baseball games with him. So one day we were watching football, and I said to my dad, I said, boy, if I could play football, I'd want to be the receiver. My dad looked at me, and he says, are you crazy? The receiver's the one that always gets hit. He's the one that always gets hurt. He's the one that everybody's always after trying to take out of the game. Why would you want to be the receiver? And I said, because you get to run with the ball. Yeah. yeah, you get to run with the ball. Now, that's the way I see prayer. God is saying, I'm giving you the ball. I'm throwing you the ball in prayer. Now you run with it. Yeah. I got anybody out there want to receive? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Okay, over here. Yeah. I got, woo, got one more. Woo! Oh, no, I got one more. Woo! All right. We're going to run with the ball because God's saying, here it is. I've given you a shield giving you a sword, run, run with prayer, yeah. <laughs> now, every time you watch football from now on, you think about prayer, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so this armor that God has provided for us is to protect us so we can do what he's called us to do, so we can run in prayer. He's provided this armor so we can do verse 18 in Ephesians. Pray and petition and pray in the spirit at all times. He's given us a shield and a sword so we can be mighty warriors and pray down the blessings of heaven. Pray down righteousness and salvation. We can exalt the name and we can see the kingdom of God and the knowledge of God cover the earth because we have prayer living in us and we're going to release it. So let's run with the ball. Yes. Oh. 
Ha, ha, ha. 